We are so excited to announce a new school being run by the NEST called Remnant Rising, targeting and equipping and training our next generation, our youth. We take pleasure in introducing you to the principal, who you already know well from these Origin Gate podcasts, Rick Nevenhase, and assisting him is Elijah Ward, who is also no stranger to you. Rick's heart is to challenge and encourage others on how to become sons of Yahweh. He shares from his kingdom encounters that have taught him about the importance of being positioned correctly as a son, how to govern as a son, journeying with faith and untangling from the religious spirit. Elijah Ward is a businessman, author, and pastor based out of the gates of Zion in Mobile, Alabama, USA. His passion is for stewarding an atmosphere of intimacy with Yahweh in his marriage and with his family for the sake of all future generations. Their hearts are to inspire and encourage our youth to step into the fullness of who they are as sons, searching out Yahweh's mysteries and releasing his kingdom into all creation. All creation is eagerly awaiting their revealing. They were born for such a time as this. Some of the topics covered will be on identity, being positioned as sons, governing as sons, walking with faith, walking with purity, which is so important for our youth these days, and walking in dominion. Online teachings will take place every Tuesday and Friday and will be approximately 30 minutes long. Each session is recorded and can be viewed at any time. For this year only, there's a $200 reduction in fees. You only have a small window to take advantage of this special as registrations close on 31st of August 2020. The online classes commence in the first week of September 2020. Please do visit the website for more information. www.thefoundationnest.com We look so forward to welcoming the youth to the nest. Welcome to Origin Gates Daily Podcast. This is Grant Mahoney, and today I want to talk about walking out your promise. So I want us to have a quick look at um, the book of Joshua, chapter 5, verse 12, and we'll read all the way to, um, what's it, verse 15. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna. But they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua, Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Then if you go to chapter 6, the very two first words of chapter 6 are now Jericho. So Jericho is just in sight. And I really believe that in the time that we find ourselves in with COVID and everything that's happening in the earth, this is where we are, are today. This is a word for you and me right now. And it's an interesting thing is that sometimes you have to be at a place. You have to be in something where the word that you're going to 
teach or speak is to be received because it's built on something. There's been a pathway for us getting to this place where we find ourselves right now. And so I am convinced that we're in this moment, let's call it a Jericho moment, where Jericho is just in sight. That, I mean, you, all of you know this, individually, I know for myself, but even us as a nation, I really believe that we're about to come into a season where our Jerichos are going to be dealt with. Why? Because we've been walking this journey of the promise. And it's very interesting that when we begin to talk about possessing the heavens, or when we talk about open heavens, what you find in Scripture is that the heavens only open or move in response to something that has happened upon the earth. And so right now there's something happening on the earth with everything that's going on. And so generally it almost seems as it's all often for a fulfillment of a required time, a season, that the heavens open as an indication that literally one thing has been fulfilled and come to an end and another thing is beginning. And I believe we're Things may look bleak, but I believe we're at an exciting time where one season has come to an end and we're about to be thrust into a new season, something fresh and something beautiful. And so when we just look at the, what happened with Noah and the flood, it says in Genesis 7:11, it's very clear to us that the windows of heaven didn't open up first. First, the fountains of the deep opened. And, and the Bible's even so clear to mark the specific date. It says the 600th year of Noah's life on the second month, on the 17th day, when the fountains of the deep broke open and the windows of heaven opened in response to what had happened on the earth. So first, something had happened on the earth before the heavens responded. And so we find that even when Jacob gets to it, says a certain place, then and only then does this ladder appear to him. We find that at the baptism of Yeshua is when he says, let it be done that it might fulfill all righteousness. So it was at a particular time, at his baptism, the Bible says that the heavens were open to him. And so there's all these timing things that are so important. There's, there's all these hallmark events that happen. Just look at John, John the Apostle. He lives his whole life, but he never sees the heavens open until when? Until he gets to a place called Patmos. And it says he's in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. So when he gets to the right place at the right time, the heavens open in response to him, signifying the end of one thing and the beginning of something else. What is it that says on the day of Pentecost? So the Bible is clear. It says, which day was it? It was on the day of Pentecost. It wasn't a different day. It was that day when they were all in one accord, in one place. There came a sound from heaven like the rushing of a mighty wind. So when Yeshua ascends to the right hand of the Father, he was literally opening a new door for the people of Yahweh and his ascension into the new day, literally. Like, have you ever walked into a room where there's two doors and you open one and then when you shut it, the other door shuts by itself because of the wind that's created. And so what he was doing was there were, he created a wind shutting behind us forever, the door of the old covenant and opening up the door to the new covenant. So when we talk about possessing the heavens and when we talk about the heavens opening, it's always in response to a time, a place, a season, an action by which the windows of heaven opening are the indication that one thing has been fulfilled and another thing is about to begin. So we're in a very, very, very interesting time right now. And for me, I'm finding it a very, very exciting time. And so for me, I want to tell you that the opening of the heavens is an indication that we've come to the end of a particular journey and something is being fulfilled and something new is about to happen. And I'm really, really excited about where we are. So when we see the words now Jericho, 
This is a timing word, now. It says now, Jericho, which tells me that there is a moment in our lives for walls to come down and things to begin to change. And so the interesting thing about a timing word is it means something had to happen before. There has to be a before. Walls don't just come down because I show up. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. Things don't just change in our lives without the fulfillment of a previous season. So if you're in a place where you're wondering why you're not moving on, maybe you need to fulfill and end the season that you've just been in. Because then there's that word now, Jericho, and it means something had to happen before. The next season that you and I are coming into is a season, I believe, when walls of resistance are going to come down. And I know that there's been walls that have been set up that have hindered our voices, um, hindered our nations, and all this kind of stuff and from being heard. And I believe those things are going to be come down. The, the next season that we're about to enter is a season where walls of resistance are coming down. So to understand that word now, you have to understand the word before. Because the thing is this, is that something had to happen before something happens now. So if you don't ever get to before, you're never going to get to your now and you're never going to see the blessing. So you have to deal with before. So what interests me in this particular scripture is how did these people get to the place where Yahweh would say to them, now Jericho. And so let's go back and have a look at this a little bit. So remember that Yahweh has always been the God of the promise. And we're talking about a promise right now, walking your promise. And the promise that Joshua was fulfilling wasn't first given to Joshua. It was actually given all the way back to Abraham. And so Yahweh tells Abraham, I'm going to give you a land and it's a land that is amazing. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's beautiful. And so God told him that the promise was attached to a place, which is very, very important because the reason Yahweh attached the promise to a place was to show Abraham the immovability of his promise, to show Abraham just as that property cannot get up and move away, just as that property is steadfast and cannot move, that is how my word is. It is steadfast and it cannot move. The property became so linked to the promise that it became known as the promised land. Isn't that amazing? So then he takes another part of the promise. There's a two a two-part function in the promise and he attaches it to the soles of their feet. Part of the promise is attached to the land. Another part is attached to the feet. So he says to them, he says, when your feet get on the land, you will possess it. Part of the promise is attached to something that is permanent and part of the promise is attached to something that is in transition. So how many of us are in transition? How many of us have been given a word by Yahweh, but we're not there yet? We're in that place of transition. Part of the promise is attached to something that cannot go anywhere. And the other part of that promise is attached to something that must go somewhere. So we're all on a journey. We have to go somewhere. You cannot just remain the same and expect you're going to come into the promise that Yahweh has given to you. You have to move. The promise cannot be fulfilled until our feet go through the pathway of preparation to inherit that promise that Yahweh has given us. So it becomes a journey. It becomes a walk of faith. So many believers want to rush everything that Yahweh wants to do. I want to enjoy the journey. Stop rushing. Start smelling the roses. Start looking at the scenery around you. Start enjoying that journey. It becomes a walk of faith. And in the absence of a book of promises, Yahweh gave these people a land of promises. So their place in the land literally spoke to them about their relationship with Yahweh. Mountain experiences had to do with victories. Valley experiences had to do with the low places of their life. Rain for them 
being poured out was spoke of the blessings of Yahweh on their life. Drought and famine spoke of Yahweh's disapproval. And so they didn't have a book to read. You've got to remember that what they had was they had a land to look to. We've got so much more than they had. And so when they looked at their place in the land, they understood their place with Yahweh and their journey was a walk of faith. And so we have a spiritual journey, but they had a natural journey. We have a spiritual walk. They had a natural walk. And so when they walked through the land, which is so important, they began to name the places where, uh, where they were based on what they understood of Yahweh based on their journey so far. So they named the wells, they named the altars, they named them the mountains. And the reason they did, what, did that was to signify that whoever might come after them, that when you get to this place, don't leave this place until you understand this about Yahweh. And I think that is so important. How many of us are sharing with our children and our grandchildren? Don't forget this place in my life because you're going to come to this place at one point in your life and remember what Yahweh has done. Understand this thing about Yahweh. So Abraham goes to the mountain and when he goes to the mountain, he begins to see that the Lord is his provider. So he names that mountain Jehovah Uri, which means the Lord who has seen my need before I ever knew I had it. Isn't that amazing? So when you get to this place, what Abraham is saying, don't leave this mountain until you stop for a moment and you begin to engage and you begin to come to that place of knowing that Yahweh is your source. That's what he was saying. And so I want my children to know that, that it's not me and, and Sam that are their source, but it's Yahweh. So they named places because they knew that someone was coming after them. We have got to do this generationally. We have got to name the places in our lives so that our children that are coming after us will begin to know Yahweh. Isaac dug again the wells of his father. These guys understood what honoring their fathers was all about. And so we hear the story so often that sometimes we forget that it was because of this promise that these people walked, not really knowing where they were going. They had this incredible faith and this spirit that never tired, it never gave up. Uh, they said, you know, if, if Yahweh has said something, though it be delayed in its arrival, we're not going back to where we came from because Yahweh's called us out of where we were and we're going to walk until we see what Yahweh has said. I love that tenacity of these people and we need to be like that today. One generation came and went, another generation came and went. And the thing is about a promise is that, longer that the longer you hear it without actually receiving it, the more tired you get about hearing it. And, and what does that one scripture say? Hope deferred makes a heart sick. And so you can have a pro promise spo spoken over your life so many times without seeing it until you don't want to hear it anymore. I mean, how many of you have been there? I know I've been there, but I've had to change the way I look at, at things. And so the people went into the land of Egypt and they stayed there, but they had a promise. And that is why we all have to be careful at how we look at another individual and how we view someone else. Because sometimes... People that have a promise don't look like they have one. I mean, how many of you right now, as you're listening to this, your present circumstances doesn't match your future promise? How many of you? I mean, I know, even though things are great with, with me and things are going well, I know I have a promise that I have not yet seen. So don't judge me where I'm at right now because you don't know what Yahweh has said to me. But I'm on my way. That's the thing. I'm on the journey. I'm on... Uh, um, I've just got to do this thing. I've just got to get this finished until I get to my Jericho moment. And so I have some things to walk through. 
and I'm going to keep walking and you've got some things to walk through and I want to encourage you keep walking keep setting your face like flint towards the promise don't worry what's happening on the left or the right just walk that narrow path and begin to allow Yahweh to do what he needs to do your life in your life to bring this current season to an end so that you can go into the new but I know that if I keep walking I know that if you keep walking we're going to end up at that now Jericho moment and so we, we, know that we, we know the story, and so we have to keep walking. And it's interesting that when they crossed over, I'm going back to the scripture that I read, the manna ceased. And this is so key, the manna ceased. Because now what Yahweh was saying that, yes, I've been feeding you. You've been in a place of immaturity. I've, I've made sure your clothes didn't run out, your shoes didn't run out. Um, all this kind of stuff. I've been giving you food supernaturally. But when you get to the promised land, now you have an opportunity to whatever you want, if you sow it, you'll reap it. If you want beef, get cattle and start farming them. If you want grapes, plant a vineyard. If you want apples, plant an apple vineyard. All this kind of stuff. And so we have to get out of this place of being the manna people that are just waiting for Yahweh to do everything for us. We have to come to that place. And part of the promise where Yahweh is wanting to take you and me as mature believers is that place where whatever we sow, we're going to get. So I hope you've enjoyed this. Bless you. And thank you so much for listening.